delighted to be joined by Ian Salisbury. Ian, thank you very much today. No, my pleasure. Lovely to meet you. Yep. So 50, let's dive straight into it. 15 test matches, four one-day internationals for England. But where did your love of cricket first off? Uh, I suppose my first love of cricket came from probably my granddad, actually, when I was younger. But only literally in backyard. I didn't actually play a game until I was about 13. Um, mainly because most of the cricket was on a Sunday. And yeah. My family were religious and went to church. And so church was Sunday, not cricket. So, and then we didn't play at school. There was obviously a comprehensive school, didn't have um, cricket going on. So I just played in the backyard and then all of a sudden played a game for a club called Brixworth in Northampton. So you mentioned that you didn't play cricket, you know, until the age of 13 there. Um, your school, I heard that you were actually uh, quite, quite, quite good at football. Oh, yeah, when I was much slimmer and faster. <laughs> um, yeah, I played for Northampton Town Boys um, when I was 13 and 14. Uh, midfielder, dynamo, yeah. wasn't very quick, wasn't... Uh, like I got to put your foot in. in. Yeah, I put my foot in, but I was a pretty skinny. Um, ironically, um, my dad actually didn't like football, so it was then when it got, got a choice between cricket and football, I thought, well, it's better to have your dad like what you yeah, do yeah, than yeah. not. So I chose cricket. Um, and obviously with school, I only had time for one sport as well as school. Okay, so, um, and then moving on from your school, schooling days, um, what was your first club that you played for? I played for a club called Bricksworth. There was a guy there called, um, he, was, he was actually at my school, a guy called Jeff Carpenter. And he had like this beautiful Northampton jumper on. And I was like, oh, I want one of those. <laughs> How'd you get that? <laughs> and he was sort of like, well, I play. And I was like, oh. And I was like, I was probably a little bit, you know, like a teenage boy, I was thinking, oh, I'm good at cricket, I'm as good as you, so why can't I play? And then his dad was the coach of the North Ants under 14 side as well, and he ran the junior section at Brixworth. So I played a game against uh, Northampton Saints, which is uh, Graham Swan's uh, yep. club, and I played against them, and they had loads of North Ants players, but ironically, I knew some of them who played football as well. I did really well, and they invited me to trials that winter for North Ants, and I got in as an opening batsman the following yeah, season. Yeah, that's what I when I was doing some, you know, looking back at the history, I was like, you're, you're more, of a, more of a batsman to start Yeah, with. I didn't bowl leg spin until I was 17. So yeah. I started out uh, as a batsman. Uh, I played my first ever second team game for North Ants. Yeah. Uh, and my driver for that game was a guy called Mark Robinson, who uh, went on to play for North Ants, Sussex, Yorkshire, and obviously was did a brilliant job with the coaching of the England women, which ironically I then helped yep. out with him as well. So yeah. we go back a long way. And I, I made it, you know, I was 16 playing second team game against some people like Defratus and Chris Lewis Quality violence, and yeah. George Ferris and I was thinking wow this is going to be hard work I'm going to need to do something else because I thought just making it as a batsman was going to be really difficult so I was quite aware of my own talents of what I could and what I couldn't do so and then there was a youngster playing for North Hans at the time called Andy Roberts um, he took up leg spin and played for England within a year yeah yeah so again I went I can have a go at that. Mm. <laughs> and then I took it up and then I trialled down at Lord's um, MCC School of Merit. Yep. They got on. So I, there was another coach who was Northampton kept going. He was a coach at Lord's as well. Bless his soul, he's not with us anymore, John Malfay. Yeah. And he kept taking me up and down. Um, and then I got on to the MCC uh, Young Cricketers. Yeah. So I left home when I just turned 18. Never bowled legs been in a game before in my life. And then started playing for the MCC Young Cricketers as a leg spinner who could bat. There's also a gentleman I was reading up, Don Wilson. Yeah, Don Wilson was then the coach yeah. at his blessing. He's not with us even yeah. now. He was a fantastic spin bowler um, for Yorkshire and England. Amazing coach. But it, it, the beautiful thing about him, and then when I went to Sussex, where Norman Gifford was coach, so I had two great left arm spinners for England. Um, they didn't really coach me. They just all they did was because. Um, you know, nowadays there's four or five coaches at each yeah, yeah. county and there's academies and all this sort of stuff. This didn't exist. It was just one coach overseeing everybody. And um, the great thing they did for me was just encourage me to bowl and bowl and bowl and bowl. They didn't do anything technical, really, other than I remember once, I think I got videoed once. <laughs> that was it. I oh, think wow. first time I actually saw myself Compared bowl. Compared the analysis to like yeah. now, yeah, it's chalk and Probably first time yeah. I see myself bowl was actually when I was playing games on TV. Wow, okay. So then, that was around, I think, 1988, 1989? So, 88, I was on the MCC Young Cricket, yeah. so I left home and I never went back to Northampton. Uh, mm. Stayed in London, I'm still in London now, but I lived in London then 
The following season, 89, I went to Sussex, uh, started in the second team, uh, played a few games in the second team. They liked what they saw, so they picked me for the first team, so I was grateful. Um, Sussex weren't an amazingly successful side at that stage, so I was 19, I could bowl a bit, I could bat a bit, I could field a bit. Um, they just threw me in, so I almost did my education straight away in first team cricket. I've played very few yeah. second team games. And Did you also spend a winter away in Zimbabwe? Yeah, that was the, the winter after. So in that summer also, I'd never played for any England age group side and I got picked for the under-19s yeah. as well, that in 89. And people like Mark Rampakash, Chris Adams, Mark Eilert, Hungerton Piper, Darren Goff. Household names. All yeah. Nick Knight. Uh, yeah, there are quite a few who've gone on to play for England at some stage and then yeah I then spent the winter uh, so now I've got cricket as a bug so you might guess that I didn't finish school uh, yeah. I left halfway through my A-levels didn't go to university so my education has been in cricket and travel yeah yeah <laughs> so I went to Zimbabwe which is an amazing country beautiful beautiful country um, that's where I got to meet and train literally all the time with okay so some English guys went there with Richard Blakey who played for England as well a guy called Carlos Remy Peter Such was out there played for England and we just have fun and my sort of contemporaries over there in Zimbabwe because they weren't playing test cricket at that stage yeah. were flower flower Brandes uh, a guy called Sim Peel, Graham Hick was out there, yeah, yeah. Um, Dave Houghton who's now coach, uh, but he was the first in Barbie ever to score a test century. So I was mixing with these guys, but we were just training, just having off. nets, yeah, yeah, yeah. just, it didn't help obviously because I had to bowl at these guys later in life, particularly <laughs> Andy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, great, great we pick, knew each yeah. other from, you know, 89. Yeah. As he was Andy, he said he's a great uh, reader of spin bowling as well. <laughs> yeah, so. we used to spend hours <laughs> bowling, but we, you know, we didn't. That's what we did, you know, back in the day. It was sort of, you know, nowadays you have all your SNC programs and how to get fit and all this sort of stuff, and you have your psychologists, you have your different analysis and all this sort of stuff. And we, we just batted and bowled. We just got stuck into the nets. I can't really remember ever warming up properly or anything <laughs> like that, or doing any gym work or anything. We just literally run around all day batting and bowling. So then when you come back to England, I think your major breakthrough year was 1992, where you got named one of the, the cricketers of the year, I believe. Yeah. Um, you fast forward in this, I know what's happening here. <laughs> so in between, but I, I also then the following year, for two previous winters, the, what's now called the England Lions, yeah. I went away for, with the England Lions for two, so the end of 90, end of 91, I went to Pakistan with the England A side, which is now the Lions. Yeah. Um, we got evacuated actually, um, wow. because of, that was the first Gulf War that went on. Everything that was American and English got bombed. Um, luckily, we escaped from Lahore overnight, so it was quite a scary time. Yeah, must have been, yeah. And um, we went to Sri Lanka. But uh, it definitely helped me as a batsman to play spin. Mm -hmm. I think my record in the subcontinent is not, not millions of runs. I think even in the summer, something I didn't realise that yeah. I think I was the slowest batsman to get to double figures before Ben <laughs> Stokes did it this summer. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I saw my name, I said, what's my name doing there? And he said, oh yeah, he was one of the slowest, like 80 odd balls to get to double figures. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, shame I didn't go on and get the 100 afterwards. But he, uh, he obviously did, and that was yeah, that amazing yeah. Headingley test. Um, but I got to face loads of spin in places like Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Um, and also it's sort of like a personal pride thing. You don't like getting out to your opposing spinner so that was that winter and then the following winter went to West Indies yeah. um, with the A side again uh, that was more successful I think for me as they, a, a were crew. they packed with a yeah Courtney Walsh um, oh my goodness I've forgotten some of the quicks Courtney Walsh was playing somebody Clark, Clark um, play for sorry a bit big tall Tony Gray and then Benjamin Benjamin. So oh, wow. we were playing okay. against, and then they had... Some chin music. Yeah, <laughs> but the irony was I'd never really, I played, obviously now I've played for a couple of years, and I never really faced quick ball. I never hooked or anything, mm. or played a pull shot. And I, I think people pick on the spinners anyway because they can't bowl your bouncer back. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they, they um, so I was just dug in. Anyway, I, I remember Nets in, um, Barbados it was, it sounds exotic this, <laughs> and 
the guy who served us breakfast would also come and bowl us in the nets. Right, okay. And I was like, hey, mate. He just literally bounced me every single ball. Mm. I was like, you served me eggs. I'm very really friendly <laughs> and now you want to kill me. But literally, I spent a whole net, my first net there, I didn't hit a ball. I literally just ducked mm. <laughs> as much as <laughs> I weaved. It was like a boxing. Yeah, yeah. It was like, and I was like, this is crazy. How am I going to score a run if this happens? You know, you, the simple thing about scoring runs is there's a ball, here's a bat, you've got to hit it yep. <laughs> to score some runs. So I said to the coach at the time, Keith Fletcher, uh, I said, I said, look, don't have a go at me because this could go horribly wrong, but if this keeps happening, I'm never going to score a run. Mm. I, I'm just going to try and play a few shots, yeah. see if I can do it. And then I, I learned to at least play a pull shot or a cut shot, and, and that's how I learned. And then I learned my batting record was not great, but I could play the odd pull shot. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as you said, like... Your 92, ma- yeah. 92, 92, your major breakthrough, yeah. Yeah, and it was... Because I'd learned my education yeah. through first-team cricket, really. Yeah. I had my ups and downs. Um, we also, I think the groundsman at Hove was also voted groundsman of the year for about five years in a row, and all our batters, top six, would all score a 1,000 runs, so it was a flat wicket. Yeah. So I did have plenty of overs. Um, but... But to get picked for England, I was 22. I've been bowling leg spin for like four years. Mm. I didn't really know my game. <laughs> I just so played. You, you feel you weren't ready? Um, I was probably Even ready. Even your record, I'm just having a look here, 87 first class wickets at 29. Yeah. Um, Not bad. No, that was okay. <laughs> um, it, was, it was good. But I, I didn't know my game if it, if it was to be scrutinised probably yeah. at that level. That was the... That was the shock to me because all I'd ever dreamed of was playing for England. Yeah. My hero growing up was Ian Botham and he was playing in my first test match, yeah. took my first wicket. Yeah, I was going to say, your first yeah, test wicket. first test wicket was Javin Mianda. Javin Mianda, one of the yeah. best spin, uh, players of spin in the world. It sort of went downhill from there, I feel. But, Catch um, IT Botham. <laughs> yeah, but my hero, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, people I grew up with, um, playing with them and then him to take that catch at Lords, where I was an MCC young cricketer. Yeah. Uh, the irony was I'd been given my cap, the game before at Edgbaston, but it rained. So I got, I got, it wasn't like the presentations they do now. Mm. It was just Mickey Stewart, here's your cap, here's your jumpers, congrats, mm. good luck. Anyway, first day rains all day. Mm. Don't even get out, don't toss up, don't do anything. And then guess what? Mickey comes back, he goes, oh, can I get that cap and jumpers back? Oh wow, is that the story? Like, okay. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Um, <laughs> the elation of like getting the cap <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then taken away, yeah. Um, it, it was explained to me, obviously, that the game had changed now to a four-day. They didn't want to play a spinner, they were going to play an extra batch. I think, I think Ramps played, actually, um, instead of me. So it was like, you know, imagine being given you something you've dreamed of and like, yeah, here's your favourite toy. Where's a million pounds? Here you go, here you go. Oh, no, sorry. I want it back. Yeah. But um, who was brilliant? Um, Ian Botham was amazing. Yeah. So he... He saw what happened and he took me, this was the old edge person, took me next door into the physio room and he just put his arm around me and said, mate, you will get a cap, don't worry, you're going to have a long career, you're going to do this, yeah. this is just a minor blip. And he made me feel better because that was my idol was saying. And That's a touch of class from him. Yeah, yeah. he was unreal and I'll never forget that. Um, he's probably done that to a few people over the years because he's that sort of greater bloke. Mm. Um, but. And he's probably done it so many times, he wouldn't even remember if he did it to me or to somebody else, but to me, I will never forget that. Um, and maybe that was the symmetry that was required to then make my debut at Lords, where I knew more people working around the ground than I did in my own yeah, team. Because yeah, yeah. um, it was only, like I say, three years before that I was um, playing, on the playing the air and yeah. doing the scoreboard and running the covers on. And so I knew the groundsman, and I still know the groundsman. So, well, they've just left me. That, but all the same people, every time I've gone back there, because I work there, I still know the people in the, work in the change rooms, the one who work in the indoor school, obviously all the old ones. Yeah. There's a few have died, unfortunately, now, because yeah, yeah. we're getting old. But, mm. you know, the symmetry to make my debut there was incredible. And then your first test was probably more remembered for your, the 50 you scored? Second test. Second test, Second test. yeah. Um, yeah, it, and that goes back to this sort of pride in my batting, but mm. also... As a spinner, sometimes you can't show how passionate you are. You know, you can't then run in and bowl a quick spell. You yeah. can't, you know, show because you have to try and be so controlled. Yeah. Your passion to do well. Um, we got smashed around. It was a really flat wicket at um, Old Trafford. And so it's like, 
had to score some runs to prove that this wicket is really flat. Yeah. Um, and I think I got smacked around by jabbing me at that actually. Um, I had 20 overs for 100 odd. And I was like, this is not great. Mm. <laughs> but then if you look, I think Mushtaq Ahmed, who's another amazing Fantastic. great at a yeah. game, who um, will be remembered as a much better bowler than mm. Wiles. I think he only bowled 10 overs for 50 or 10 overs for 60 in the game. So it was difficult for everybody. Yeah. And he had. 500 odd runs on the board as well and he was bowling at likes of myself and I think myself and Chris Lewis actually saved the follow-on and Tim Munton a very good friend of mine as well so he was I was cap 554 and he was cap 555 so and we all we've been mates yeah. ever since um, I mean it was we were playing Warwickshire when we both got picked for England and we were with our respective wives at uh, that time and we were out for a meal and we got the phone call together that we were in oh wow so, that's yeah, a special so, moment yeah yeah, yeah. so um, but we've been on A tours and got on well, so yeah, loads of symmetry. So I, I'm glad I made my debut at Lords, by yeah. the way. Um, the 50 was okay, so I always say so. Alex Student, uh, another great friend of mine, he mm. got 99. 99, out. yeah, not yeah, out yeah. against New Zealand. And we used to change next to each other, uh, sorry. And I always joke with him, we've both got a test 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just 49 runs yeah, yeah. I said, mate, it's not 100. It's still, mine's still a 50 and still yours. Still the 50 <laughs> in the book, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So then, how would you actually look back at your England career? I know 15 test matches, you've played at the highest level, but also, if I'm you know, reading back, you didn't play, uh, you played three tests, um, in a row, and then, once and I then, think, and then, yeah. and then it, it was there was no consistency. No, there That's was no I'm consistency. Um, um, I suppose we can't have an interview about myself without mentioning another leg spinner that was in the world cricket at the same time. Of course. So, uh, and that is the legend that Shane Warne, uh, and he is a yeah. wonderful guy. And I wanted to slip Shane Warne in there. Yeah, yeah, and he's um, an amazing bowler. Um, I growing up at the same time as him, we literally, I think he's a bit older than me. I think he's just turned fifty now. Mm. Um, was a hindrance as well because mm. everybody he was a freak I knew he was a freak so the, the thing about it was I knew he was an outlier mm. he was a leg spinner that was going to transcend you know the sport yeah he, he was just an amazing bowler because I work so one side of he was bad for me because then people were going to compare me to Shane Warren and yeah. I was never going to be Shane Warren as no other leg spinners been mm. like Shane Warren ironically but I knew that because I'm going I bet I'm working 10 times harder than you mm. and I can't be your, as good as you so so on one flip side was um, being compared was not good which probably then the consistency thing plus me over striving but also it made me work so hard to try and be the best that I could possibly be and try and get my views try and get better every single day and without him so he inspired me yeah but also he was a hindrance as well so because on the back of him I literally I practiced so hard and I wouldn't have had a 20-year career and it's not always what is success yeah I played for my country could I have played 100 tests I would love to have done would I have taken you know love to have taken five minutes of course I would have done but it wasn't meant to be um, one was him hindrance but without him inspiring me to try and get better i would never have had you know success at surrey sussex and warwickshire so as we're on the topic of shane one what do you think apart from his natural talent you know what do you think makes him stand out, or um, him stand out? He, he's a, he must one, he must one, have a great mind yeah he's got an amazing cricket brain yeah. full stop yeah. uh, if you listen to him even commentating now he'd be an amazing captain amazing coach mm. he's got um he understands the game he reads the game very well but biomechanically, and he's almost a perfect leg spinner. Yeah. So if you want to put together, you know, he had incredible power through the crease. He held the ball very in a relaxed manner. Um, he never got calluses on his fingers or anything like that. So he was immensely powerful, but he just had a natural gift. But he could just bowl his best ball with his eyes shut. So it wouldn't matter if there's one person in a crowd, and a dog, um, or 100,000, he could do that. And so mentally, he was unbelievable. I, 100%, if I put down where, I tried too hard. I desperately wanted to be successful and be shame worn for England. I, if anything, I probably overtrained or yeah. overfought or I put too much pressure on myself. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, what do you think? And then going back to my sort of rise in the game, yeah. I played the game so I loved it and all I wanted to do was just enjoy playing cricket. Yeah. 
And then when you get to the scrutiny of test match cricket or playing for your country, uh, and people were just saying, you're rubbish <laughs> and you shouldn't be picked, it was very hurtful for me. Yeah. And we've then, nowadays obviously you have psychologists, you have loads of people with training, I've done all my you know, coaching certificates and you know, have an understanding of psychology. I had nothing to fall back on. Yeah. Um, this was just then a very lonely world and place. There was a test match at the Oval in '98 where a few boos were heard. Oh, it was there was more than a few, you know, in your home home grounds. So Must have been sorry, difficult. Yeah, I was ahead of me, and I've had, and it was sort of like, oh, this is hurtful mm. because all I want to do is do. Oh, I'm trying so hard, but the harder I tried, probably more tense I got, which means you, you know. If you let go of a ball here, it's going to be a full toss. You let go of here, it'll be perfect. You let go of here, it's half track. So you literally, yeah. like that, that much difference. The margins are. There, for yeah. a massive difference yeah, down yeah. the other end. And often that, for me, I believe, was just tension in my body. So that's where Shane Warne, you know, like I say, one person or 100,000, he had an amazing brain that allowed his body to relax and just play as though it's a charity game. Um, because I know, I, I, I played for England one game and it wouldn't come out great. And then literally the next game I'd be playing for Surrey and it'd come out fine. Yeah. The only difference would be tension yeah. within myself. Um, if, I, if I had my time again, which I'm, I'm very grateful for my time, I definitely would have asked for some sort of guidance or help of how to deal with that from the, 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 the mental side of the game. Yes. Yeah. So then, do you also because I know there's a lot made in the modern England era with central contracts etc about consistency in selection I think I was reading about over the time span that you played there's I think four coaches for England and four different captains you know that must have also played a part I or not or is that I'm probably four different selectors as well yeah I'm uh, looking here look, you've got Gooch, Stewart, Atherton and Hussein as the yeah. captain during your the period between your first and last test match and as in the when you go to the coaches, so the common, the common denominator yeah. obviously for you so i i would never look the common denominator is me yeah <laughs> so yeah. um but you see like nowadays where <coughs> the play you know a play a modern day player for england will probably get the extra they'll get the series for example you know to prove yeah, themselves and they'll get that one extra game more than less but if you don't take I don't mm. think it would have made a difference okay. that's my input yeah. the big difference would have been me mm. so I wouldn't want to blame anyone because they're all fantastic because they all wanted to pick me so sure. obviously doing something to get picked so yeah. you must be playing well to get picked in the first place mm. so it's just then uh, where I probably needed was just this the mental side of it to learn how to cope with the sure. extra expectation that would have been the coping skills, um, the psychologists they have now with England, they're unbelievable. And, you know, how they helped the team get through to win a World Cup, which is in, when we, yesterday obviously we lost the World Cup at rugby, but we won yeah. one in the summer. Yeah. Because it, it's very hard. Everybody in the world wants to win this competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very hard to win. And it's a little bit like then when you, um, you play yourself, but I look, if you, oh, I can't think of his name now. Come to me. He's um, the psychologist for England, yeah. and Mike Baldwin. Baldwin. Um, but Owen Morgan talks about him yeah. a lot, mm. and how he's helped the changing room and helped each individual to deal with every circumstance. Um, and that's definitely something. I know Steve Ball came into the England team towards the end of my career. It's, I would definitely have looked to have tapped into that to learn how to cope, and then. If I could sort myself out, and then I could say, oh, well, that captain, he gave me terrible fields, or this coach didn't like me, <laughs> but I can't, because they were all brilliant, they wanted me to do well. Yeah. It was just then, I was inconsistent um, with my own performance, and then the more it went on, the harder it became to try and, because I desperately wanted to do well for England. Yeah. And then, the pressure of England, you go back to, you've moved from, at this stage, I went um, from Sussex to yeah, Surrey. Yeah, Sussex to Surrey. Um, that, that was a st I never saw that coming. Do you think the bouncier, um, faster uh, pitch at Surrey helped you? I think it was just... I had... When I played for England and some Lions and things like that, uh, I, it was actually Glen Chapel was my inspiration okay. to move county. Yeah. Because... It, I like being what part year of... What was that again? That was moved? 97 was the first right. year I went yeah. to um, Surrey. And... 
I didn't think I'd ever leave Sussex, so I was desperate to do well at Sussex, and because yeah. they gave me my chance, I felt very loyal to them. Mm. I, I help coach the spinners back there now. I love the club. I think it's an amazing club. Yeah. And I desperately wanted to succeed there, but it just wasn't happening. Yeah. And then there were sort of disagreements, a couple of things of how they went about it. So I saw we had a group of youngsters, and I wanted them to go forward. And then we brought in some senior players who I'm friends with, and they're wonderful players. Yeah. But it sort of took the dynamic away. And Glen Chapel, going back to Glen Chapel, he was my inspiration because he was like playing in finals and winning for Lancashire. Yeah. And I think you got MOM in a couple of them as well. Mm. And I was like, okay, even if I don't have by this time I'm in and out of England as well. Yeah. I want to be able to play in a team that wins things or to help a team win, because. It's a long career. I wouldn't want to spend 20 years mm. playing the game, which I did, and not win a trophy. Of course. So That's a competitive incident yeah. in all. And so it, that was the main driver behind it, was then to go and win trophies at Surrey. And then you've obviously... Which we did. Well, you did. You paired up with... Saclane. Saclane. Yeah. How was that? My spin by. Um, amazing guy. Uh, I feel incredibly privileged one to play on that side we had an amazing side amazing captain amazing players um Saclane was just uh, to play in a with a side and have a spin partner which i would never really had in the past with somebody who invented like a new ball mm. after you know we've been playing the game over 100 years and somebody yeah. to come up with a new ball was like i, I just think genius yeah you know you, you know as brilliant as shane warren was or is you know although he said he invented loads of ball shame <laughs> um and he was an, the best i've ever seen but for sack lane to come up with this new ball his dues yeah, round that went the other way that was i just thought incredible but on top of that he's just a wonderful human being uh, he did he came from a village just outside of as well oh sack lane was he, he was just such a beautiful man mm. um inside and out uh he would help everybody yeah. um we became very close i you know, I sort of chaperoned him around with, um, I used to go and pick him up because we both lived at that stage uh, near Fulham and so I used to pick him up. I used to, he used to follow me in the car so we learned to drive. We were in, coming up to a roundabout and I was like, if we lose it, I'll wait for you. But yeah. in London, it's, it's like, I'd go through the roundabout and I'm like, beep, and he's there going. <laughs> and then I remember going into, um, a BP garage, he says, oh, this light's on. I'm going, what light? And he goes, I go, oh, mate, you've got like two miles and <laughs> you've got to get some fuel. So we went just off um, the embankment near the oval. So we went into this BP and then I showed him because he's never put fuel in a car before. Uh, his English is not great. Anyway, he filled it up and I was like, oh, I haven't got any money. <laughs> so we then got, so we're in. And I, I'm sort of like, oh, no, what's happening? So I claim, you got any money? You got a card he's yeah. like no he said i've got some cash and he pulled out he must, he must have pulled out like five grand <laughs> and like 50 notes i'm yeah. like holy shit <laughs> saki because all these people are looking at yeah, us like yeah. and i'll go mate give me that put that <laughs> in away and i was like mate, there you go and we moved on i was like mate you're gonna get robbed there <laughs> he's like loads of money and here we are just like two yeah yeah that's a good skinny, skinny yeah, lads um yeah. and then we've you know there was a, you know we how we learned i think he talks how he learned his english and we obviously there was unfortunately i got said there was the sun newspaper around and we would show him words and then we also taught him some naughty words really that okay. we shouldn't have done so he's meeting people like mickey stewart president and we go oh say this word saki it's like he'll like it yeah <laughs> and i can't repeat what yeah, they were but you yeah. go hi mickey i'm a yeah and everybody's like cracking up knowing yeah. that and he's like yeah, tell me bad words <laughs> <laughs> so it, but just the a banter. beautiful guy yeah. um so he ended up living just around the corner from me in Tooting. obviously he's now married yeah. and kids i think he's i see him there if he's in london we'll catch up and we'll have yeah. a curry in Tooting. so it's fantastic uh, yeah generally if i go with him i don't have to pay because he never has to pay for a curry fantastic, anyway yeah. so then going on to your actual uh performances on the pitch during the 2000s and the actual you know the trophy <laughs> you know, laden period, sorry. Um, I'm just having a look at your statistics here. You know, in 2000, 52 wickets at 18. You know, that's a, <laughs> are there special figures? Yeah, I, I don't think season. we... Your average consistently, you know, improved throughout the, 
throughout your years at Sarif? Yeah, I mean, like from going, 31s to 28 to 22. Then so going back, so 52 I, to 80. If I'd have played, and it's amazing, I I got back into the England side, um, and it didn't work again in Pakistan. Was it just stuff. a one-off Test match you played in? I Korea played three. You played, um, and the one that we obviously won in the dark. Yeah. But again, that series just got more and more difficult as it went along. The more I didn't get wickets, the more tense I was getting. The yeah. more I scored a few runs, I think, which helped. Ashley Giles did really well. It's when he first came into the scene. Mm -hmm. And England won the, you know, their first series in Pakistan for years. Mm -hmm. And it was that when we, it literally was dark. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I remember yeah. it. Pitch black. But because they'd sort of almost manipulated how many overs they were bowling, the umpires were then getting angry uh, with Pakistan. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So the karma had all turned around and they're saying no we're staying Umpires out we're staying on we're yeah, staying yeah. And we, Steve Buckner was like oh, yeah. it, literally it was black <laughs> it was dark yeah I remember seeing the pictures and, yeah and it was an amazing win amazing side and that was then I think the start of England becoming a, a very good side and it would have been it's a shame because I probably learned more for, that was when I then started so obviously I was in and out sorry but I was having success uh, I was in and out with England, sorry, I was having success, so I knew I could bowl, and it was after that series when, when it had really, you know, the pit in my stomach and my heart rate and everything just got so desperate to do well, and then pretty much knowing that was my career over, age 30, right. for England, so I'd, all I'd ever want to do is play for England, train to play for England, but I knew my career was over, and that's when I started getting into coaching, but also I started for the first time learning about the mental side of the game. Sure. So we'd take it till 30, I'd sort of hidden away from it because I was thinking, well, hang on, I'm, I can bowl all right here, but not there. Why is that? And, but then this was sort of like the, okay, you've got to get this out and sort. And it was just then, it was about just being mindful. And what had happened was I was looking at outcome all the time sure. and not staying in the process. So people who know me now as a coach, I always say the next ball is the most important. Can't change anything. But I was been affected by the previous yeah but also I was playing in games and thinking well if I don't get five wickets in this game at the end I won't play so I was going to the end and then all of a sudden go playing a whole test match at times and then going I didn't get that but then I can't remember anything of it because I didn't stay in the moment and so you know people talk about it could be mindfulness you can do with this but also the techniques the breathing techniques so I learned loads of where did you, learn? Where do you I, I did a lot of reading reading yeah but also then some on some courses with level four and stuff like this um listening to and chatting to other to psychologists steve ball um but then a lot of reading almost like amateur psychologists mm -hmm. um any courses or was it just no just self, self, self yeah um one because i wanted to I, I, I came low at times and there were sort of versions of um, depression and stuff like that so I wanted to read why this was affecting me and and what I could do to stop that happening mm. and one is stop you know don't take it all on board don't look too far ahead don't look too far back and also I learned more about myself as a person I'm naturally an introvert which people you think that's really difficult for you're performing on a stage in a team when you're naturally an introvert learning how to re-energize myself and what I'm about I've done all my insights I'm a helpful supporter which then helps if I'm thinking about others it's a yeah. bit like the Dalai Lama would say if you if you're thinking about others it's impossible to be anxious or depressed you only become anxious or depressed if you're thinking about yourself mm. so learning to almost techniques of well what does the team need me to do next rather than what have i got to do next that really helped me yeah but i can't change what's just happened yeah so if i got hit so i was accused of you know i'd, I'd go for a boundary every over and then and then somebody said to me well if you have go for a boundary every over your career numbers you go for three runs and over so how can you go for a boundary every over I was like, yeah, you're right. So after 300 odd games or whatever it is, you go 3.1 or whatever it is, an over 3 point. He said, how can you go for a boundary every over? I was like, yeah, you're right. So I can't. But then I was, I would sometimes get to, oh, five balls gone. I can't go for a boundary. And they're yeah. going, oh, what you, you, hang on. You can't do anything about the five balls happen. If you'd gone for five fours, would you worry about the six? And he's going, no. So why are you worried that if you've gone for five zeros, worried about the next one? So you forget, yeah. forget what's happened and learn what, but also don't concentrate on yourself. What does the team need me to do next ball? So 
if there's a batter down there, what does Tim need to do? Well, he's just got this. What does he need to get you out? Yeah, we'll get him out then. <laughs> how you, but then, how are you going to get him out? Well, you've got that field, you've got that field. And so, then you're not thinking about yourself yeah. or what you have to do. But that's just from reading about stuff. And and now as a coach, yeah. you know, I, I'm very aware of what people are. And I always talk about the next ball is the most important. Mm. Um, what does the team need me to do? Because the, the game of cricket gives you the answer every time. You only yeah. have to look at the board. Yeah. Or in training, it tells you what you need to do next ball. Mm. Okay, you walk out to bat, you need six to win. <laughs> it tells you every time, but you might have 20 overs to bat. And you need 100 runs, okay, so that's 100 on the board, 20 overs. If I'm going to be in with your person, that means I'm going to face half the balls, which would be 10 overs, that's 60 balls, and I need 50, not 100. Mm. So the team need me to get 50 off 60 balls. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then you work out from there, well, what do you need to do this first? Well, what not get out? <laughs> it might be just stopping momentum. Um, you touched on depression there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously there's a lot about mental health awareness, etc. Do you think um, the stigma is still there for sportsmen? Um, I... And cricketers? <laughs> sport is a lonely yeah. world yeah. for people, but as is life, you know, it doesn't, you, you don't have to be a sportsman to be either depressed or anxious. Um, I think the world we live in has got such high demand on people kids particularly nowadays I, I think about teenage daughter you know she's got to get these a levels got to get to this university you've mm. got this pressure oh then you've got to buy a house you know all these things that the, the whole world we live in now is pressurizing people yeah. and judging people so somebody said to me whenever you're oh, sorry, don't judge somebody replace it with the word patience so good so, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so and then same in coaching rather than going oh he can't do this can't he? Oh, and then we read Rewind and go, okay, let's be more patient. What is this? And there is stigma around. Um, I think nowadays people will talk about it. Um, I never talked about it at the time. Um, I think I'm probably grateful for people like Trescoffic and um, Trot. They've all come out and said, um, I think even Darren Goff's mentioned it in the past, but I think everybody has, but it was almost this thing about man up, don't show your weaknesses, don't show your vulnerabilities. Definitely when I was growing I would never have said I was. Yeah. Um, I think now I hope, or any team that if I was involved with as a coach, I'd hope anybody would feel comfortable yeah. enough to say they have, or they feel as though they're either anxious or they're depressed. Um, but even the wording is not nice, I think. Sure. It's almost, <laughs> Try and ask about, you know, if you feel somebody's not doing what they should be doing at critical moments or whatever. Are you okay? What are you thinking? How are you? Rather than going, are you depressed? Yeah. <laughs> are you anxious? Because then people go, no, not me. Sure. And especially then in the sporting world, what I think all these people have come out and said stuff. I think they're incredibly brave to do that. But also you need role models to do that so that it's normal. And to detach that kind of yeah. stigma that's unfortunately still there. Yeah. You still enjoy playing cricket. I, I don't so much, but I, I love cricket. I, I love the game. But the reason I started because I love the game of cricket. So these, if somebody has got, say, a mental issue around, you think, why did you start playing this game? In fact, you, you should be having fun. I think there's a, Steve Kerr, that he's one of the coach, basketball coaches. Um, Steve Kerr. He, and he talks about his team who've been in like four or the five last top five. And he said, what he enjoys, so his main thing is that he used the word joy and everything you do, you should have joy. Yeah. He said, I like watching my team play and if, it doesn't matter if we're in this final or that final. They look as though they're just playing a game of basketball in their backyard. Mm. Because so, everything yeah. they do is joy. And that's, if I, if I re rewind to Shane Warne, he just looks like he's having fun. I mean, he has a few words, but I think that's all. But he's enjoying yeah, himself yeah. Yeah. with his mates. And that's what you want to get back to. Rather than put this huge pressure on, it's not, so it's pressure that way, but it's also you put pressure on yourself. So I put pressure on myself massively because all those beautiful um, coaches and captains I had, they were trying to take the pressure off me, yeah. but I was putting it on myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I could never blame any of them because I was, and that's a, and that's a form of self-harm, really. You know, I might as well have just been punching myself mm -hmm. with a beating myself up with stuff. Yeah. So it was just learning to enjoy the game, 
have fun, learn about my personality. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's only a game. So then, you know, at the back end of your Surrey career, did you start doing your coaching? Yeah, is I started ba- doing I don't know badges. How it, is it badges? Yeah, so it? there's like level one, two, three, and four. Yeah. Um, four being elite coach. Um, yeah, I did. Do what I, I, I sort of knew I wanted to get in coaching. I was sort of w- within the changing room. I was sort of like the agony uncle uh, of the side. Adam would often ask me to summarise what's going. So I, I wouldn't offer. I'm an introvert. I wouldn't say my piece. Mm. I'd almost listen to everybody, and he'd go, "Well, what do you think of that?" I'd also be a slip at times, and I mean, people like as would be always asking me, "How's my action?" Yeah. And people were asking me all the time, and I, I like helping all the spinners and eat. I like helping my teammates I'm a helpful supporter yeah. so I knew I wanted to get into coaching um, and because I, I enjoyed everybody's success as much as my own um, probably other success more you know so I, I knew it was something I wanted to do um, what are the other options sometimes I mean now if I wish I'd learned a trade probably you know I hadn't been to school but I love cricket, I love helping people, so it was an obvious course, one yeah. for me to want to get into coaching. Yeah. So I wanted to get my badges done. Um, but also, I learned more about myself as a cricketer. I think I had, like I said, my, my career probably after 30, apart from when I had some injuries, was probably my best cricket where I knew my game inside out, mentally and physically. Yeah. I got my action back to where it was. I got into bad habits because of my knee injury. Um, I'd learned how to train properly, uh, all this stuff. And yeah. it, it's, it, I would, it would, if I could have knew what I knew in my last eight years in a way that I knew before, yeah. I would have played more than 15. I would have probably would have done because I would have been mentally so much better. So then, like, you got released from Surrey yeah, after 10 years? My, How did that yeah. make you feel? Um, or did you think that was the right decision? <laughs> it was the right decision the because I kept of, getting yeah. little injuries in my Achilles injuries, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and I was also getting old, you know, I was 37. Um, did you it feel was the there right was a thing. sense of loyalty? Well, they have given me a testimonial that year as well. So yeah. um, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's ever handled very well. Who it's gave not you the nice. news? I can't remember, but it wasn't, I, it didn't mind, it, it wasn't, because um, I was getting as annoyed that I couldn't perform how I wanted to perform sure. either, so, and I kept getting it, you know, ironically my last game I was injured and ended up limping off, and that's sort of something I was like, maybe now this is time, you know, yeah. it's the right, it's the right time, right decision, but, but what it was, um, and then Ashley Giles, ironically, then gave me a call and said, do you fancy some my old Coming spin partner? Work, yeah. yeah. Um, do you fancy having a year at Warwickshire? And I was like, you know, I've just... He said, oh, okay. But then literally I started doing different types of stretching. This is again. Yeah, and yeah. So all these little niggles I was getting because I was, it was like at the end of my nerves. So I had to do loads of this like really horrible nerve stretching. Okay. And for my Achilles and I got fit again. And all of a sudden I played, I think. Um, was that kind of like yoga you were doing? Or was that um, just stretching, just different, stretching, different yeah. types of stretching where nerves, oh, it, was, it was painful and sickening nerve stretching. Um, but I think I took most fifers that year in the country. Yeah. Um, I think I was the most economical T20 bowler. We got to a court final, we lost unfortunately. So I got some award for being doing that. Yeah. And they offered me two year contract. We got promoted back to the first division, which was their aim. And there I was going to be playing two more years till I was 40. In, in a wonderful place, we'd put a house on the market, we were going to go. Um, I'd done all the winter training, I was even fitter for the next yeah. year. And then Chris Adams, a friend of mine, just taken over, sorry, he said, you fancy going back as 17 coach? And I was like, okay. So when I... Decisions when to I, make, yeah. Yeah, decisions to make. Family still in London, so I didn't come up to Birmingham in that first year because I didn't know how it'd go. Yeah. Just in my world, just one year to see how it goes. Yeah, and I was like, okay. Dad said nothing, and I went to my daughter, who was six, seven. Then I said, oh, I'm going to stay. I'm going to quit cricket. Yes, yeah. Dad, that's the best news ever. And I was like, shit. So she was willing to come up to Birmingham, move, change school, and I hadn't really ever asked her. 
and but she said it's the best news ever and so we stayed um, and then if I look back so my last time when I retired at so, or mm. released it sorry I limped off yeah. whereas my last ball in first class cricket now was for Warwickshire was taking a wicket it was to get a six for to get us promoted it was away at Essex I think I was six for 100 I, I think it was Tony Palladino was my last ball in first class cricket was a six for to get yeah. us promoted most fifers in the country that year uh, in my last game, I didn't bowl a ball, ironically, because uh, Chris Wokes, a young Chris Wokes, took something like 12 or 13 for against Glamorgan and bowled him out, and I didn't have to bowl a ball. Yeah, yeah. So my last ball was actually against Essex at Chelmsford, taking a wicket rather than limping off. Yeah. Um, I think I was caught deep extra cover, actually, unfortunately. So I got naught against Robert Croft first innings. I remember out to a and I was like, <laughs> out to a spinner, and Crofty has been a and he's a wonderful cricketer, amazing bowler. And I was like, oh my God, how can I get out to Crofty as my last thing? So I, anyway, I come out on a pair and I said to it was Wallace, who's now, I think, CEO or one of, head of cricket. Come on, mm. I'm going to hit him for six, first ball. <laughs> to get off my pair. I said, I don't care. This could be. Anyway, I got out, caught deep extra cover off a scene at Chantry, Adam's here at Chantry, I think. But, and that ended up being my final game. So it made the decision easier because I quit with two years left. Yeah. I was in good shape. Lots changed in the last 10 years, but, and it was on my terms. Sure. Um, and also I knew I wanted to get into coaching. I didn't have to move house. I could All start kind of out. fell into place. It fell into place and, felt like you it was know, meant to be. Yeah, and yeah. the first two years I was second team coach. I then learned to do a lot of coaching, all the winter training, the programs. Chris lived down in Sussex, didn't always get up in the winter, so, but we won the second team championship yeah. for two years in a row. So my sort of first two years as a coach, um, we won trophies. Yeah. Um, then we sort of had a rebuilding stage and I, they wanted me to be sort of assistant for the first team. Sure. I, I don't know what the titles were. Remember Chris stayed director of cricket or I was first team coach and he was, or he was first team coach. And I was just, I, whatever, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Uh, and then we got promoted in my first year with the first team. And we also won a trophy, the CB40 trophy. Yeah. So, um, and we had cricketers getting into the England side. Um, don't about me because, and then I had a young Jason Roy. Rory Burns, Mom, Mika, yeah. Dernbach. Dernbach was the first, sorry, T20 um, sort of. But he, graduate, was he? Um, um, gone all the way from the from the youth setup. Probably, but that great. Um, saying that. He, but the, all these youngsters we had in the second yeah. team. So when I first started out, we it was no surprise we won. Yeah. You know, and so I think Rory was keeping at that stage, Burns. Oh, really? And then we had Gary Wilson who was around keeping as well. So he ended up being captain in his country. Obviously, Rory's now gone on to that, and Jason's gone on to Dunmore Hesses. We had a yeah. fantastic side. Yeah. Um, and we did fantastic things. So, um, and then that sort of graduated, and then it was all sort of going swimmingly already. Um, at that stage, um, young Tom Maynard had come, he never scored 100. So. I see myself as a batting coach as well. He'd never scored a first class 100. He scored his first one back at Glamorgan yeah. after that ended badly because his dad got the sack and then he came to Surrey and we, all stuff like this. And then obviously it unraveled the following year. And so I suppose none of this could, so when I first knew that I had depression, for example, was when my best friend Ben Holyoke died. So I had a knee injury. He'd just died and my daughter was born all too much so that's when I did loads more reading about stuff but Ben was my best friend sure. um, and then that sort of that was the end of one era there when that happened unfortunately so me and Adam carried his coffin at the front and Adam's an immensely strong guy and I was telling my wife this story the other day I said my wedding ring he was as he was lifting the coffin we didn't have him on our shoulders and I was like digging into my hand I was like mm. oh my god this is the heaviest thing I've ever I was like but he was my best friend, um, so his girlfriend still, we see, she comes over and sees us all the time still. But then obviously then, for almost 15 years later, or less than that, so that's not, almost 10, just over 10 years later, obviously we had the, the Tom Maynard tragedy Tragic, as well. Yeah. Um, it, it was literally at our house, yeah, because they live around the, the corner, yeah. live 
around, he lived around the corner from us with Rory. Um, my family, he was round on a Saturday night. Thought we had a game the next day. We had a barbecue, him and his girlfriend were round at our house. He had Anya sat on his lap and mm. all this. And it was immensely um, sad time. I, the only sort of comfort is that I'd been through this before with Ben. So I did the eulogy at Ben's funeral and I also delivered the one for Tom on behalf of his family. And, but there was, there was over thousands of people there. Yeah. Incredibly sad time. Um, heartbreaking. And again, that was then the end of that sort of period. And then literally a year after that, both myself and Chris, so I got sacked by Surrey again. Yeah, <laughs> but that kind of you know tragic incident must have had an immense impact on yeah, yourself, the players, you know, it's hard to separate. Yeah, it, it was heartbreaking. Yeah for everybody involved and I remember it happened on the Monday, early Monday and we had one game cancelled on the Wednesday it's okay but then we were still because of fixtures and we, on the Friday we were playing at Essex in front of TV cameras and I remember Stephen Davis and Jason Roy both going out to bat with tears in their eyes and I was thinking this is not right something's not right here um, but full credit to that team. Um, some immensely strong characters. Gareth Batty is an amazing guy who helped carry that through for them and look after them. Um, to, to carry on playing cricket when that goes on and then still do what their jobs was incredible, really incredible. And sadly, obviously, something like Rory never really came to terms with it and doesn't play cricket. He's immensely Rory's talented. Hamilton Brown. Yeah, yeah, immensely talented cricketer. Um, and then it took a bit of time for that side to rebuild and a lot of credit. Um, obviously I wasn't involved anymore, but um, I think sort of with Alec, new coaches, um, and with Gareth and people like that, they helped rebuild that and fair play to them having success after that. Yeah. And then that period from when you left Surrey to taking up your position as the... Yeah. Um, England it was uh, physical. So there was a tough time. So you're, yeah. you're out of work. Tough time. Um, so I'd literally gone from finishing my career to five yeah. years coaching. Sorry. Um, that was a really tough time. How are you going to pay the bills? What are you going to do? Um, but then, enjoying that time, unfortunately, my wife got diagnosed with first time with a brain tumour. So I took time out. So I was off work, but it was a a massive stage of our lives. Uh, we knew life wasn't going to be the same going forward. She's not well at the moment as we speak, five years on. Um, but that was the first time she got diagnosed, so I could look after her. But it also made me look at life really differently. Mm. And so I was having to probably rebuild a coaching reputation. Obviously, we get sacked from somewhere and there was the aftermath of what had happened at Surrey. Um, plus then this happened at home. Yeah. And it was then, so I just went back to basically, I went and worked at school. Um, really got me back into coaching again, learning to coach from 11 upwards to 18. So it was a lot of my own theories. I started working out with Trinity School and how to enjoy the game, no coaching from the sidelines, how I coach, all this, how to create environments, all these sort of stuff. Because I wanted to get back into the game, but I also wanted to, what should I say, a little bit like a playground, you know, you could, and the school were amazing to give me the freedom to do that around all the age groups, but also to then help coach coaches to do sure. and create environments. And then during that time, I saw an advert for disability cricket, so it was an assistant coach. And because of what, if I hadn't have, have what happened with my wife yeah I'm looking at life very differently and then to so my my style of coaching is obviously I mentioned earlier the next ball is most important but also I, I think we're always looking for what people can't do mm. rather than what they can do yeah so um, you know it's almost all the courses you do is like how good you are at picking out a fault it's like Okay, what about if we make a strength a super strength? Yeah, sure. Uh, rather than all the time looking, judging and looking for people, what they can't do. So I say to you, I don't know, Neil, what your skill is. So say you can't play the hook shot, for example, but you love the front drive. But 
and I say, meet me eight o'clock, Monday morning, dark, cold net, we're gonna work at bouncers. And you'd be like, all weekend, I can't do this, I can't do this. He's gonna be bowling at my head. And you probably, oh, I'm stuck in traffic coach, I can't make it. <laughs> but if I say to you, oh, I love your drive, you know, you're an amazing driver, ball. I want you to turn up eight o'clock on Monday morning, we're gonna really explore how far we can take your driving and how far we can do that different positions and different areas and all this and then you'll go okay i'll be there Mental <laughs> thing, yeah. yeah yeah so then going to work with disability cricket is that confirmed my you can yeah. do anything because yeah. these guys are just truly incredible people yeah. people inspirational inspirational and you can't you, you can't do this because you might not have an arm or it might not have a leg or might have a prosthetic or you might have cerebral palsy you might have his um, stuff that then affects him mm. so you have to you have to work with their strengths yeah because they, they, they can't do the other so then sort of the symmetry of working there and so I did that for two years and then the head coach left and they and they said oh we're gonna have first full-time disability coaches um, it was myself and Ross Hunter who was head of the blind so we've done that now for nearly two and a half years wow they I mean we just lost in the final this year in the world against a talented series. India team. a very talented India side um, so that was kind of the world is it yeah, it was the, most, the world was all, cup for it was, it was the world series yeah. but it was all the countries that actually do play physical disability cricket yeah. which is still only five or six mm. where which is a bit of a shame we want to you want it to be nearer yeah 15. so it was one showcasing uh, i think it was brilliant that india won they were the best side they've won all their games during the tournament um we had a rocky road we lost a game so mean and then we lost some time for rain so we had to come back and we had to play Sunday afternoon mm. when that was supposed to be day off. And then yeah. we were supposed to have a, it was supposed to be the fifth and sixth playoff on the Monday with the final and semi-final on the Tuesday. We had to play Sunday afternoon, replay a game. Then we had to play Monday afternoon tough, to qualify. Tough schedule, yeah. So we went Sunday afternoon, Monday afternoon, and then we were playing, because we were then the second place. So second and third in the group played off to see who played the final. Right. So we then have to be um, Afghanistan who did amazing things they beat us earlier in the tournament so, so it was good to try and get revenge on them so we played literally three games in 24 hours so that's hard work for anybody let alone anyone, people yeah. with disabilities and so and in the final I'd say we competed for 10 overs of the bowling and 10 overs of the batting yeah. I just think we ran out of steam Mm. Um, but you don't want to use it excuse because it's just what happens. Yeah. Um, we were the youngest, fittest side, and and some lad called Sugar Nash just literally started hitting the ball out of the park. Mm. <laughs> it was just yeah, I saw some footage of him. Oh, Very it talented. Was incredible, incredible, yeah. and sprinting between the wickets. Yeah. We were going. What's well, this? Bit? He's hitting the ball out of the park, or as far as anybody else, and you're sprinting between the wickets. I'm going. Wow. <laughs> but that's, that was sound like sour grapes. But they, they were the best side. Um, I think it's good for the game that India won because they'll spread the message quicker. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. We had the... So when we then played the rest of the world game on the Thursday, uh, it was a chance to play the people who hadn't played all the time for us during the summer. And then the other four sides picked their three best players. But yeah. the year before, they picked people who hadn't played yet to give them a game but no this time so that the rest of the world game was actually the hardest game we had mm. um, and again we just got beat but we had two 16 year olds a 17 year old two 19 year olds and a 20 year old in that side that was you know a legacy of then setting up the lions in the over the last three winters yeah and watching that grow um, watching the main side grow and to have those youngsters playing against the best sides in disability and performing just bodes well for disability cricket. Do you think it also like helps break down that kind of stigma, um, encourage like parents to, you know, there is something that... Yeah, and, and I think there is that. I think we're all naturally protective. Be, yeah, um, I'm very protective of my daughter. Um, and when somebody's young and you, or she's going somewhere, you want to be sure you're handing it over or handing your precious of course, yeah. Baby, over to somebody to help them or coach them. It's, you have to trust, you know, your school teacher or whatever. And I think, that, and maybe parenting can be even more protective of your son or daughter if they have a disability. So, because people ask ask me about what's it like coaching this, I say it's just the same. 
You want to get the gnome, you have to build trust. So you always want to build trust because how can I ask any player to do something if they don't trust me or respect me? So you build trust first, you build the relationship and then you see what they can do. But I'm only ever trying to teach them what they can do rather than what they can't do. So if you then build a reputation as a coach that's you know empathetic, um, takes the time to build a relationship with the player or the team before you ever ask them to do anything, hopefully then parents or other people go, oh, I'll go and try disability cricket with these guys. Because we're not saying there's no barrier, we just say anything's possible. And do you feel that, you know, other countries around the world, you know, putting as much emphasis and uh, look, opportunity? India, I think it's getting better. Or is it just, it's uh, just do you think England are leading the way in that aspect? Uh, yeah, full respect. To, I mean, unfortunately, my job's going now. It's not going to be full time from March onwards. So that's, I'm looking for the new jobs as we speak so um, I don't think we need to encourage it we need to spread the word you know we live in a world unfortunately where we have racist chance mm. in football games still in this we've still got yeah. wars going on in this world that I can't believe you know I think we are this country is getting better at diversity it's getting you know you look at how the women's games grown I was lucky enough so to work with them during their World Cup, and I, I love working with the girls. So what was your um, role in that? In that, uh, I was assistant coach, assistant looking coach, after the spin, yeah. yeah, for two years leading up to the World to Cup, the World so, Cup and to be there on the side, incredible. helping them. Yeah, you know, it was incredible day. And this is going back to, I, I think we are leading the way. This mm. country in diversity, we are getting better. We yeah. still got ways to go. You know, it's a little bit like the FA is saying, you know, well, we can't overly have a go at these people because we haven't even got our own house in order yeah you know you only have to figure the house of commons and you think how rude people in there somebody speaks and everybody shouts at them and i think oh my god come on we've got to show better examples for kids yeah. of how things should be done yeah so i just say oh come on you don't need a shout and ball and mm-hmm. we can't even leave brexit or whatever but I, I just think cricket and sport are fantastic ways of helping with diversity help lead the way with anything's possible just because your son or daughter is you know it doesn't, shouldn't matter what color they are it shouldn't matter if they've got a disability or they're blind they're deaf or they've got a learning they should if they love cricket they should be able to play cricket yeah um, and that's and they want to do it because it's fun that's why people want to why did you start playing cricket in the first place? Why did I? Because it's fun and we want to enjoy it. So as a coach or somebody who has a chance of providing that, you you yeah. want to keep doing that. And it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Boy, girl, what colour you are, what age you are, if you've got one leg or not, you should be able to play cricket. You should be able to play a game you love. So then now what does the future hold for, for Ian Salisbury? You said you're Oh, I'm looking for the next thing, yeah, I, I think I mentioned earlier, but my wife's not well at the moment, so I, that, that's number one priority to make sure. I am still a consultant, spin coach for Sussex. Uh, yeah. I've done some sessions there, I've done stuff with Derby as well. That's I, that's massive passion, I love coaching. I also help out a local club around the corner from me, uh, Spencer. They've got 1,400 juniors and one of my things that I said that I would only get involved if they massively try and push the the girl section and yep. they, I think they're up to about 200 girls are involved so hopefully they're going to do some developments there and we're going to try and and I love helping kids because going back to what I just said mm. um, provide fun guidance and safe environment where people can go and enjoy cricket and then help them achieve whatever they want to achieve not everybody can play for England yeah. but if I my job is to help people try and maximize their potential but also do it while with a smile on your face yeah so I don't know um, I'm currently looking so um, like I said my number one priority is my wife um, right. and then I'll carry on my consultancy stuff and then see what's out there I'd love to either be an assistant or a head coach I'm, I'm not I'm not ego driven to want to be a head coach all the time because it's quite nice being in charge because you can affect the, the environment and you run the environment but also you can do the same as, as an assistant as well I, yeah. I enjoy helping people full stop I want people to 
love playing cricket and play with a smile on their face and as you know people say you know what's rhythm I like people to have good rhythm you know which is in my view is called it's relaxed efficiency yeah so you're at your best when you're relaxed and you're when you're doing something efficiently you've got rhythm but what's if you watch a, a musician or whatever um, if they're in rhythm have they got a smile on their face mm. yeah because they're relaxed yeah. and they're being efficient and that's yeah. if you try and create good rhythms in your life full stop you know if you were gonna organize you know Sunday afternoon lunch you'd make sure you had done all your preparation you had everything there so you have been efficient you make sure you're right oven seen prepared then you're relaxed you make sure you've got you know you write them out drink and then your friends and then you're creating good rhythms for yourself yeah so and that's a good a good way to look yeah, at it yeah I bet it's just relaxed efficiency with a smile on your face perfect now Ian um, thank you very much for your time no today pleasure. it's been an absolute pleasure um, you've given us a great in-depth some really touching um, stories as well you've told us and I really appreciate your time today so Neil Kagram, Cricket Last Stories, Ian Salisbury thank <laughs> you very much thank you